Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Ben Kroger from Put Your Lights On. I'm Marian Nova. And I'm Michael Rogg. Yeah, and Oliver Stark from Fort Rabbit. And that's where we are today. The folks at Fort Rabbit were kind enough to let us use their space in Berlin, Germany after the Dot All conference. The folks. <laughs> the folks. The folks. Well, I, yeah, I should correct that. It's not clear actually the if folk. <laughs> it's well it's not clear if anyone from Fort Rabbit actually uh, knows that we're here and that we can do anything. They know. They know. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So what we're going to talk about today is just we're going to recap the .all conference for, you know, whether you attended, but mostly for people who didn't attend the conference in terms of what you might have missed, maybe give you some FOMO, make you wish that you were there. Um, so Ben, I mean, why don't we start with you? What are the, what are the standout things that you remember from .all? Well, we had some fantastic talks and I couldn't attend them all. Well, obviously we had two tracks, and right. but I was also speaking, so I was in my room rehearsing, preparing. Uh, there was one thing that I was sitting on the edge of my seat for the entire time, and that was the uh, the keynote by Brown and Kelly, mm. which we can go into the details of. Uh, but that was very exciting, I think, for everybody there uh, to have Brandon up on stage telling us about what's coming but also um, what's been happening and bringing us all up to speed on the state of craft in terms of not only the technology, but the business, the community. Yeah, so that was, that was really exciting. For me. Well, let's talk about it. So 83% of the new craft installs are running craft three, right? So that's pretty cool. That's a pretty good indication of where the community is at. And didn't he, he also said something about craft three one, right? Craft 3.1, he said, uh, he this alluded year. to dropping in this year. This year? Okay. They're, quote, pretty sure. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, that's not an announcement. That, that That's what he said. <laughs> that was the announcement, is that they're pretty sure oh, uh, it's coming. And, and along with uh, 3.1, which infamously includes uh, the new... Uh, Project schemas, right? Commerce um, two, uh, also Commerce two and Commerce Light and the partner program, um, and additions of plugins in the plugin store, which I'm super excited for. Um, well, let's let's go into detail on a couple of those because some people listening may not know what we're talking about. So, um, first of all, the uh, the product, uh, what did you call it? The project something? What is it? Uh, projects, project config. Yeah, All right, so what is, what is the project config? Who wants to take that? Who knows what that is? Ben, that's to you. I'll pass, I'll pass that back to you. All right. Okay, okay. so, so uh, craft is, uh, the project config is a way for craft to um, sort of present the state of the schema of your CMS. So your sections and your fields and their configurations. And so as you are building out your CMS and making changes to it, um, the state of that configuration is being stored in a YAML file. Um, and then uh, from that, that YAML file you can commit with the rest of your project files. And when you shuttle it back and forth to different environments from dev to staging, staging to production, uh, you can ask Craft to read that configuration file and update itself uh, with all of the changes that you've made. Um, and so rather than having to log into your control panel and manually create a new field in several different environments, Which or, is horrible. or like <laughs> taking a database snapshot and pushing it to different environments every time you change a field, Craft right. uh, will record the new configuration for that field. And when you deploy to a new environment, uh, you can ask Craft to update itself. It won't do it automatically because that could get confusing and also you might not always want it to do it automatically, but you can ask Craft. And, hey, and they said they might have like, uh, you know, they might have a console command. So if you did want yeah, there is, to there just is a YOLO command. and every time you push it, it, it does it. Um, it could do it for you. Then YOLO. But it's, it's important to note, like it's, it's just the schema, right? So it's just when I'm adding 
stuff to the schema. It doesn't take care of content. Right. right? Content yeah. is still in the database, which right. is where it belongs. And now config is in code, which I believe is where it belongs. Right. And so... Um, so, so we're generally talking about elements uh, and element types, but also sections, fields, right. and that kind of thing. Sections, fields, uh, category groups. Um, and this will know. become available to plugins as well if they yeah. want yeah. to take part. So pretty much if you go to the admin CP, anything that you access after you click on settings yeah. is in there. That's, that's the config. Everything else about. is still going to be in the database and is still kind of going to be in there. So all right. So that's pretty cool. So that's actually a really neat thing that a lot of people have. I mean, some people have adopted like there's the uh, schematic plugin. Right. Or architect. Or architect, which is, you know, does uh, very much a similar thing. Um, but I think that's going to be really nice, right? It's going to be really nice that you can uh, define it. And I think a lot of people are going to use that for boilerplate, right? Right. Like they can just easily whip up like their boilerplate stuff and then just every new project, just stuff it in there and away they go. That'll be useful, but absolutely having it be that the best and proper way to add new fields is not to do it first in production. Right. It's going to be a wonderful advantage. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it definitely makes the workflow a lot nicer in terms of defining stuff. Way less scary, too. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're getting soft deletes. So what is it? What is a soft delete? Soft delete is, well, what we have now is, I guess, hard deletes by contrast. <laughs> right. Where when you delete something, it is gone from the database. And if you want it back, you have to hope you have a database backup. Yeah. And every now and again, we have this poor person that comes into Slack or on Stack Exchange or whatever. And they're like, yeah, so my client deleted this user and they must not have seen it. And they deleted everything that that person owned. It's, it's, so you're saying there's now a, a rescue net or a safety there, net for that? There is a safety net, okay. yes. It goes into the, the, I don't know, the trash can or whatever state. Yeah. And uh, you've got 30 days to get it back. Hmm. Or you can go and purge it before that time. If right. That so it's kind of like the Mac trash can. Like you yeah. throw it in there and then you get buyer's remorse or regret or whatever. You can go fish it back out. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And what it means from a technical standpoint is that rather than actually deleting a database record uh, when something gets deleted in the, the control panel, um, you're setting an extra bit on that record that says, this is deleted. And all of the queries now uh, are scoped to a context where they're only interested in pulling records that don't have that deleted bit. Makes sense. Um, is it another status, like live and disabled? And I think the way it's implemented is as a separate column. It's not a status of its own. I think they had to do it that way because otherwise it would mess up like existing queries that are based on status, right? Right. right. So it, it had to be something new that defaulted to not well, that is, getting that. That is yeah. the way that, that soft deletes are typically implemented is with their own bit because then you can, you can apply a query scope, uh, which just sort of adds an extra default parameter to everything that goes back and forth to the database unless you specifically say no. Right. For this query, something like garbage collection or restoring something that got deleted. For this query, go find me the things in the, the proverbial trash can. And so you also mentioned additions. And this is something that, Ben, you and I talked about on the last podcast. You were very skeptical of me. I said, they're going to call it additions. And I told you I had evidence that Brandon Kelly said that it was going to be in 3.1. And you said, oh, well, we'll, we'll just see what happens. Right? <laughs> well, I did say that. And um, yeah, what I was referring to was how they implement it. Oh, okay. Um, so I, we only have screenshots to go by for now. But it looks like you can have a standard edition, a pro edition, I'm not sure if that means that you can have a free edition as well. Right. Um, we haven't really got the full details of that. But yeah, editions are coming along with a new version of the plugin store. Mm. So in terms of the front end, at least. Shout out to Benjamin. He's doing it in my favorite stack. He's using Tailwind CSS, Vue.js, and Nuxt, right. which is I'm I'm really looking forward to that. So what so what is this new plugin store? What does so it give us? It's going to be inside the control panel. Oh, okay. Um, but it it will also be mirrored on 
I believe it's yeah, the current plugins.craftcms.com. Mm. It's gonna be the exact Look at same. that now because it is so unscaled for how many plugins we have. Right. Kind of broke when they were more than forty. Well, I think aren't they also then going to allow you to um, and, and this is a uh, not a complaint, but something that I brought up is that as a plugin developer, like I want to buy button that if someone is on my site, they can click it and they can go buy this right. thing. Yes. Now they actually will be a canonical link that they can actually click it to go buy this thing. Yep. Because it exists outside of the plugin store, right? You don't have to go through yeah. the plugin. You don't have to go through the plugin <clears throat> store. It's like the plugin store exists inside the graph control panel and also outside. Right. It's kind of what it looks like. But that, that's the big deal to me though, is that we can have that link to refer people to and you can just paste it in, but then also you get the SEO benefits, you get everything else. Well, you have, you have paid plugins, so. Wow. Yes. <laughs> but you might want to, your free plugin, you might want to link it to people to tell them where oh, to get true. it. Oh, that's true. That's Whereas true. right now you have to be like, um, okay, go to the plugin store in your admin CP and search on perversion. That's and true. hope that nothing horrible comes up. That's you know? true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, a small redesign there as well. They've made it much more usable. You can find out more details about the plugins. Easier to to get an idea um, of the features of the additions, um, and it includes a change log as well. So that's something that you can link to directly, which is a nice, nice. feature. Absolutely. We're getting... Oh, and uh, sorry to cut you off there, Aaron. Um, but they also have a, a kind of a cart feature so you can buy multiple plugins uh, in one go. Gee, I wonder if they're using an e-commerce system that has a cart built into it. Possibly. I, I, <laughs> I predict for 3.2, you'll be able to have bulk discounts. But right. that's, uh, that's just my guess. That'd be cool. Yeah. We're getting for a uh, disable admin functions config setting, which will let people who um, want to use the solo site with more than one person. It's kind of like the uh, mm. old, uh, was it client? Mm -hmm. edition. Yeah, so you can disable the admin functions in some environments, but not others. And we're going to get, um, we'll be able to turn off the site propagation for structure structure entry so right now if you have, what does that mean right now if you have a, <laughs> if you have a multi-site craft and you have a structure you have the same structure of the structure i see in every site which is not always what you want right it creates some superfluous records um for for entries that exist in one locale and don't necessarily exist in another locale but craft creates them anyway um, so to keep those structures in parallel, and now we can ask Craft to not do that. Okay. And then we got we've got commerce. We've right? got commerce. They're fixing they're fixing live preview cross domain. So mm -hmm. for people who use different domains instead of subdirectories, which them. is a real pain. Like I I, I know. Mm -hmm. The core is pain that they probably had to go through to make that work. Yeah, I've been struggling with it and flailing and failing to get that to work. And now I can just say, what you need to do is wait for 3.1. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm delighted that that has solved that problem for me. Yeah, but let, let's, so Craft Commerce 2 is in theory coming out the same time as 3.1, is that right? That was my impression. That's what they said. Well, I know that, so for Commerce Lite to ship, it's an addition of Commerce, right? So they need that support in 3.1 <laughs> to be able to ship that, right? So it makes sense that they're probably going to try to do them both at the same time, which is amazing to me that, that Brandon still has any hair on his head <laughs> with all these simultaneous shipping things, but, you know, whatever. Um, but so does anyone know what Commerce 2 is going to bring to us? Just like a, a short rundown of the new stuff that's in there? Shinier. Shiny. <laughs> I think it, the, the biggest thing for me is that it's it's built on Yi 2, right. uh, built on Craft 3, so the API is uh, is vastly improved. The, That's the documentation important. and the class reference are, uh, are subsequently vastly improved. Which, yeah, I think that was a real weak point, um, honestly. Which I'm excited for. Yeah. Um, 
Right, and the implications of that are better performance, right. and extensibility. Sure. There's there's a the subscription API now, so so commerce subscriptions can, are huge. Can manage yeah. manage subscriptions across uh, several different gateways, uh, which is going to be very useful. Um, partial refunds and partial refunds for gateways that support partial refunds. The, the, actually, the whole the whole uh, sort of interface for creating a payment gateway um, is so much nicer now. Uh, I've been been working on one. And if you've uh, never if you've never implemented a payment gateway for Commerce One, just trust me. Like it's not awful. It's not fun. It's not awful. I mean, look. <laughs> do, do you remember before OmniPay? Like life before OmniPay, and then OmniPay came came along. Like it was a vast improvement. This I feel is another vast improvement. Right. It's um, you know a lot of just really good modern best practices um, and I, and a lot less cruft. I did I did one payment gateway and then I had several clients contact me about doing another one and I'm like, nah. <laughs> like, yeah. No thank you. <laughs> yeah. So your advice for people who want to implement a payment gateway is to do it in commerce too. Yeah, absolutely. No, I've I've been working on one um, and for the last couple of weeks and I have found it very enjoyable. Well, okay. To work so, with. in in fairness to commerce, mm-hmm. honestly, the real pain from doing that was the testing with the you know boutique gateway in question. Right. That was honestly like what the real annoying part was, and they, there's nothing they can do about that. You know, I mean, that's just yeah. and, and whatever whatever, whatever esoteric <clears throat> gateway you know your client wants because it is the payment gateway that exists only in their neighborhood. Right. Right. Like. It definitely does not have good documentation and, you know, you definitely cannot get answers to your questions from anyone who develops this gateway. Um, so, so there's still pain there, you know, if you're building a payment gateway for some esoteric service, it will probably still suck, but it won't be commerce's fault. <laughs> and Oliver, I want to, I want to get you in here. Why don't you tell us, so they came out with commerce light, yeah. right? So what's the difference between commerce and commerce light? Like what do we what do we get in commerce light? What does it cost? And what do we not get? Like what's in the full version? Yeah, a lot of people ask it because on this uh, in this comparison table, there's light uh, with some missing features: no shopping cart, no tax, and shipping. Mm-hmm. But people ask, hey, can this be commerce without shipping cart, without taxes, and well? Yeah, but the addition, uh, the price for the addition is one ninety nine and nine ninety nine. Yeah, for, yeah, for the standard one. So I can tell you, like for my use case, I've got a business that uh, I work with that has been waiting for commerce to handle subscriptions mm-hmm. before we even consider migrating it. They don't do tax. They don't do shipping. It's just a purely subscription based service. Commerce Light is perfect for them. Right, that's all they need, um, and they it it'll be a bonus that they can have products like T-shirts and stuff like that. But really, all he needs is a nice su- um, subscription layer on top there. Yeah. So just one clarification, because yeah. uh, I know we have European uh, listeners, uh, me included, and uh, VAT is a big thing in the EU. Mm. So my understanding is that uh, a standard tax rate will be included. In okay. That. It's just uh, multiple tax rates and and. Uh, complex um, rates and calculations. Yeah, those, so those will be part of. The okay, there's a simplification. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, they did. They did also announce that they are building a first-party integration with TaxJar, which right. is a, mm. a, a, an API for kind of automatically calculating yeah. the correct tax rate based on the billing or shipping address, right? Um, using whatever the the laws of the land happen to be for because your customer. Lest you think that you know. Things are crazy in Europe. In the U.S., you pay taxes by state, right? Like a sales tax by state. No, county. Well, I, yeah. I was getting there. I was getting there. I was getting there. It's it's different in in every state, and you have to actually file those taxes in the state that you do the transaction. Right. Also, so where your business is, products as well. Yeah. So where your where your business is is where the. And in that state is where it's taxed, but the rate that you get taxed at is by county, 
right? And the counties are like all over the place. And it is such a pain to try and figure that out. You know what I mean? I'm sure VAT, I mean, VAT is not much less complex. I mean, you, uh, depending on how you're registered, either you're registered with each country where you're doing business above the threshold or like you can sometimes register with like a gateway country and they'll do the math of of splitting it up. But it's still like every country has their own rate and their own rules. And it's nice to be able to hand that off to a service like tax charter that just does it. And I don't have to set a hundred different tax rates in my commerce installation. So that's going to be cool that we got commerce coming. Um, but I'm also interested in, he was talking about, or Brandon, I should say, was talking about uh, the plug-in store. Uh, and I'm, yeah, he gave like a, a little chart of the, the revenue that's coming through and said that uh, $135,000 had been paid out to plug-in developers so far. I'm, now, assuming, I mean, at least, I'm assuming at least 90% of that is has gone to SEO-matic. <laughs> I, was, I was about to ask... Not counting commerce, by the way. Not counting commerce, right. I was about to ask Ben, like, did you buy your new sports car? Is that where the, <laughs> is that where the 130K, 35K went, you know? Well, this is, this is huge news for me because this, uh, this means that the community is... Well, it's a healthy community right. as far as I see it. And I think um, you can measure the health of software based on the health of the community around it. Right. And the fact that this much is being paid out to plugin developers means that there are people in the community, myself included, who are making a living from this. Right. Uh, so we are not only depending on it, but we're also contributing to it and uh, helping each other. Uh, and, and I don't just see that as, as revenue that plugin developers has, have made. I, I also see that as if, if these agencies and freelancers have gone out to buy these things, we probably have saved agencies and freelancers like tons of time because they're able to just purchase a prefab thing that they needed and get what the project they're working on for their clients up and running quicker. So, I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. building a plugin is a big investment, right? Yeah. A big investment of time. Someone should give a talk on that. <laughs> <laughs> Someone should give a talk at Not All about... The plugin art, development. The art of, the art of that's, that's it. The art of plugin development. That's totally what should happen. I'll propose a talk. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is huge, and this also, if we keep in mind, twenty percent of this goes to towards Pixel and Tonic, right? Which is good. That's you know reinvesting in the business, which has created this entire. I business. consider that a franchise fee. You know, if you if you open your own McDonald's, right, uh, you pay uh, some percentage in a franchise fee, and they take care of. A whole lot of stuff for you that you don't have to worry about, right. which I am glad not to have to worry about. <laughs> so there are now uh, over 370 plugins in the plugin store. Nice. It's pretty incredible considering it launched only in April. Yeah. And um, there is, so Brandon showed a, a bar graph of store revenue over time, and it's just been growing steadily every month. So April was actually bigger than May. But every month since May, it's just been steady growth. Yeah. There would have been a lot of backlog. And I think that's just a reflection of, you know, as uh, people that we kind of live on the bleeding edge, but a lot of agencies are like just starting to adopt Craft 3 in terms of Mm -hmm. it. So it makes sense, you know, that there's going to be a ramp up, you know. (coughs) So I also heard that there's some kind of new... uh, Craft Partner Program? Did you hear that? I heard that. You heard that this week? (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone know anything about that? Yeah. I mean, the Partner Program has uh, been around for a little bit in sort of a nascent beta stage. Um, So your fine logo has been up there for a long time? My fine logo uh, was was up there from... Top Shelf Limited Batch, you said? Top top Shelf Craft, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Distillers (laughs) Reserve. Um, yeah, um, it that program is being vastly expanded, um, right. and that's um, mostly uh, the work of Chief Customer Officer Les Camacho. He's been busting his butt for um, for a long time to really build that program uh, the right way, uh, yeah. and it's it's a way for. Uh, for agencies, uh, for for agencies and developers to um, 
to formally market themselves as uh, invested in this platform um, by showing that they have uh, a certain number of projects that they've launched on Craft um, and that they, um, by subscribing to uh, be a member of the partner program, they're committed to the platform. Well, and there's a vetting process. And then there's, and and then there's a few levels of, uh, there's a couple levels of vetting uh, that, that you can add on top of that. Uh, you can um, be a verified partner and you can be a verified for enterprise partner. And that means that, that Pixel and Tonic have taken a look at your projects right. and have uh, you know, judged the quality of your code. Yeah, and, I, don't, and I don't care what you say you can do. Like they're researching to make sure you've done it. Right, and, yeah. and not, just, not just your code, um, but one of the, the, the most poignant things that Les uh, has said to me is, it's not just uh, the work, it's also the experience right. that, that a client has going to a partner that we have vouched for, right. being Pixel and Tonic, um, it's, we don't want them to just get a website at the end. We also want them to have an experience working with this partner that reflects well on craft 100%. as a product yeah. and craft as a community and as an ecosystem. And so, um, for them to be considering that I think is, is just very healthy and, uh, very wise. Um, and so already there are many, many, uh, partners that are, that are launching, of course, NY studio and put your lights on. Uh, we, I just destroyed the credibility of their whole vetting process. Uh, both, uh, if they let me in there, like, oh, yeah. come on. Both. Are, you, are you an authorized or verified partner or just merely a partner? I am, I'm a verified partner. Ah, yeah. Because to be merely a partner, you have to shell out your 240 bucks in the year and you have right. to have five things that you can link to. Right. And I, I kind of think of this, it's almost analogous to um, SSL certificates, right? So... You can just go and apply for an SSL certificate and you have to provide like a you know, bare minimum of information and okay, here's your SSL certificate. If you want a, an EV certificate, like the one where uh, when you go to the website, it has like the name of the company on the left and a nice little you know, secure green, lock green thing. Bar, yeah. That's more like the, the verified uh, where someone actually does research into you uh, and your company before you can get that. Um, that's how I've always kind of thought about the difference between these things. So is there anything else from like, um, because I think we've got a whole lot to talk about in terms of the talks that went on there, because like, you know, I think it's awesome that we're recapping the news in terms of the stuff that was announced, but for people that weren't here, that's the one thing they're not going to be able to experience is some of the talks. Well, they will be able to experience the talks to some extent because um, Pixel and Tonic has said they're going to release the videos uh, from all the talks. Yeah, but you, you cannot understand <laughs> but the, the animal magnetism of Ben Croker unless you're in the room with him. It's, this is very true. <laughs> this is very true. Uh, but we, I'm sure, can only, can only come quite so close you know, to capturing that essence ourselves on right. this podcast, right. uh, it, you had to be there. But we should talk about, so, you know, some talks. So are the videos going to be available to people who were at the Dot All conference or to everybody in to the world? Everyone. To everybody. everyone. Everyone in the uh, world. And, That's and there's fantastic. No, there's no promise as to when, but they have said that they will be available to yeah. everyone at some point. Because there, there are going to be multiple layers of video production that have to happen. So who knows when they're going to come up. Happen. Well, the next... The next dot all, there is going to be a next dot all, and it's going to be in Montreal. And yes. And it's going to be sometime yeah. next year. I My can't wait. The is not in the first two, three months. Finally, a place I can drive to. I'm excited. This is going to be... The East Coast finally getting is a little bit of do. You That's, know what I mean? You know what? I should, I should fly up to New York mm -hmm. and just road trip with you to dot all next You're welcome. Year. I'm going that to be going... Be... I'm probably going to be going with my wife and kids, though. You know, then... That is and the, the fifth seat, the fifth, <laughs> the fifth seat is right between the two of them in the back. I'm just letting you know. I'm good with kids. Keep them, okay. Keep them from squabbling. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good with kids. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's exciting that it's going to be in Montreal. But um, so let's talk about some of the talks that we heard. And what what did you folks see that you really enjoyed? Really enjoyed. Uh, Marion, go ahead. Like, uh, what did what did you, what did you take from it, or whose talks did you like? I, they were all good, and I, I'm going to give a list of, of uh, 
you know, small but valuable things that I take away. Because I'll come to these conferences and, and uh, I'll come away with a conviction that now it is time for me to start using uh, the Poibot. That was a couple of years ago. Right. And it was totally worth the price of the conference to get me over the right. problem to using the Poibot. So some of the one things I learned, I learned that that T translation filter is super powerful. Yeah. And I need to, and I need to look it up. And I and that was from Zoltan's talk, right? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I learned about keyboard traps, which is when you are trying to tab through your website and you go tab 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 tab, and you do not uh, tab through it. You I thought that was when the little like a, I'm eating potato chips and it gets stuck under the keys. It's not a keyboard trap. No, something different. Also, that's, also for that you want to get one of those plastic <laughs> things that you put so, over your keyboard, uh, or just not eat. At the keyboard, right? Mm -hmm. That would work too, right? Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> now, keyboard trap, you go tab, 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 and it, you find yourself in some loop. And um, I'm humbled that all of that was about accessibility. And I'm humbled about all of the accessibility things that I should be doing and don't do. Yeah, but and you I will do now that you have. I don't know if I will do it. I will do it on my own sites for my own amusement and on the sites that people pay me to do. I will have a serious conversation with them about how much needs to be done right. and how somebody needs to pay somebody to do it. Right. So that's. But you're you're right about the uh, the translation filter because most people, if they've used it at all. Mm. They've just done like, you know, T and then a, a string or whatever. But some of the stuff he showed, like, I didn't even know existed in terms I, of yeah. in terms of some of the number formatting that you can do in the ordinal. Like, I knew those existed in Yi, but I didn't know that the translation filter actually exposed those. Yeah, that's I, super cool. I thought I knew about the translation filter and I was well, like, I mean, okay, uh, look into that. Yeah. Um, I learned that I need to... Due to the, uh, I guess it's Laracast has their PHP Storm yep. thing, and I need to go through that. And How I to be awesome in PHP Storm? Yep, yeah. I need to, I need to buckle down and do that. You're gonna enjoy it. It's actually their videos are very short, and Jeffrey Way, the guy who's presenting it, is just amazingly communicative. Yeah. Like you're, it's not gonna be a chore to watch those videos, and then believe me, like a lot of training videos are, those are not. Yeah. So I, but I'm, you know, it's my thing that I need to do. Oh, what else? Yeah, I, en I enjoyed the IoT talk uh, about well, connect connecting. Uh, What's IoT? Internet of Things. Okay, too many yeah. acronyms. We got to explain. Yeah. That. Okay. I know what Internet and of means. So what's the Internet? The okay. Internet yeah. Of yeah. Things. So I made you explain the acronym. Now what does it actually mean? Like, what's the Internet of Things? Yeah, basically devices out there which are connected to the internet. Any so, kind like of your refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. Webinating yeah. toasters. Okay. Yeah. yeah, or your Raspberry Pi and that was in, in that example. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, the room was not full because there was a celebrity talk on the track one. The track eight. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Thank God there's no video on <laughs> Yeah, but really interesting. Yeah. And what did you what did you take from the Internet of Things talk that you found? Well, that you can do more than just a website with with craft, right? So that was uh, Nicholas. Nicholas yes. Deguillo, maybe Guillo. Yeah, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, but it was great. It was really good. It was, it was based on um, what he called his experiments. Mm -hmm. um, so he was doing similar things, but working for a company, and they were doing it their way with their soft, kind of custom software solutions. And in his spare time, he thought, well, wouldn't this be easier to do in craft? Mm. And he just did this in his spare time. And he basically built what a, I think he said, four to five person team, development team did, um, in a shorter amount of time on his own in his spare time hmm. uh, on craft and I, I thought it was fantastic to see how you can stretch uh, the capabilities of craft or a CMS um, into these various fields that we wouldn't normally perhaps and that's, think about. Uh, if I wasn't doing a talk that's the talk that I would have gone to like if I, if I took myself out of my body like I would have gone there because some of those like I've done some craft projects kind of like that um, in terms of like interactive displays and like 
places where you don't typically think of a CMS being, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I find that really interesting to yeah. be doing kind of real world interactive stuff is really cool. I, I, I have to shout out just the level of preparation of that talk. Like, mm. It was just one of the most solidly presented talks of the whole conference. Mm. Um, really high quality speaker. Um, it excited me for two reasons. Uh, firstly, we do a ton of IoT work um, that is tied to craft in one way or another, whether it's uh, voice devices like Alexa or um, you know barcode scanners or uh, web-connected random stuff. Um, and I'm really excited that the community at large is is starting to realize mm. that they can like that kind of work is accessible yeah. to them. Um, you don't have to just make a website, right? You know, and and I think. <laughs> You know, my, my soapbox uh, is is that our concept of a website as, you know, a page that you go to in a browser, mm. uh, I think that that concept of a website is, is not long for this world. I think that we will start consuming content uh, in, in much more so ubiquitous um, ways. But that's the place. but that's the cool and, part, and I and your I, skills translate like your right. HTML, JavaScript, CSS. Yeah, you can take those skills and you can be making these cool like device things. Right. And and I think it I think it um, also really just shines a light on how substantial it is that Craft is built on this true app, modern application development framework mm-hmm. um, because even you know. When you, when you're not talking about features of Craft, the CMS, the control panel, right? You can still kind of use this platform as light decoration on an already really robust framework, yeah. um, and and start to do some some cool work. And and I'm glad that the community at large is is waking up to that potential and getting excited. This about it. reminds me of a talk that happened. I think it was at a peers conference a few years ago that there was a woman that presented and the the project she was working on uh, was done in TypeScript, but it was like a point of sale checkout thing, mm-hmm. right? All done in JavaScript, essentially. And I'm just like, oh, no wonder it never works. You know, No, I, mean, <laughs> I, I thought it was really cool that, you know, at, at the grocery store checkout line, the little touchscreen device that they might be using that, that could be running on the same tech stack that you know right. when you build websites. Like, that's pretty cool. That's really cool that it is kind of pervaded into that, you know? Um, what about... what it's a, cool and scary. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Sort of segue into the responsibilities we all have to uh, think hard about. Right. What we're doing and well, it used to be like the old joke was at the airport you'd see like the the windows blue screen of death sometimes on the little airline displays. Mm-hmm. Now I envision there's going to be like uh, you know the the webpack yeah. <laughs> webpack overlay yeah, like screen five, some five hundred <laughs> some five hundred level PHP airline yeah, on right. your on your checkout it's lane at Kroger. Yeah. 500 server errors. Yeah. If You'll see a twig if stack you're, crawl. If you're lucky <laughs> and, and they don't have death mode on, yeah. Right. <laughs> how about you, Ben? Like, what, what kind of talks did you see I really and enjoy? I enjoyed um, one talk uh, called Accessibility It Matters to Everyone by Caitlin Martinez. Mm. Um, it wasn't a particularly technical talk, um, but it really made me take a, a, a good hard look at because uh, I talk about user experience development a lot, mm-hmm. which means you know looking at the user experience and putting that first before I get into the coding. Sure. But it really made me ask the question: Okay, well, who is the user when I'm thinking about user experience? And most often it's me or the client or perhaps somebody else who's uh, involved in the project. Um, but what about the end users that we, you know, that maybe have different needs or um, different browsers or, uh, you know, are we measuring um, the user experience for them and are we making it accessible? So, Caitlin, um, I-, I love the demos because she made it very clear. Um, she showed, you know, here's one version of the website um, without accessibility built in. And she showed us what the issues were for screen readers, for example, and then she 
showed us another version of the same website with accessibility built in. Mm. And it was such a huge difference. Right. And I mean, you know, we use we use our mouse and the trackpad and sometimes the keyboard, but um, but if you have to navigate a website with a keyboard, that's a very different experience. Yeah, totally. So she walked us through the process and really, the, you know, what she, the, the small fixes she made, it's, it's not difficult. It's not a lot of work. And I thought, well, yeah, if, if we get into the habit of doing that from the beginning mm-hmm. on every website. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the same like web performance. Like is, you yeah. just need to be testing it as you go. Yeah, and making those improvements. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And 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 because inclusion is a big thing, and uh, yeah, and I think I think it's I think it's important. Also, I think we have a moral responsibility to take it more seriously. I speak for myself. I have a moral responsibility to take it more seriously than I have up until now. So, um, Katie also showed showed us some tools, um, which seemed great. I haven't used any of them, but I'm looking forward to right yeah Yeah, and so for myself this is kind of biased but i i really enjoyed the talk by uh simon who did a talk on i think the talk was like uh, an opinionated journey into utility journey into the opinionated world of utility first css we got to work on his marketing like (laughs) cut that down make it a little better but i thought it was a great title the title is terrible, but the talk was awesome, right? The talk was really good because you could tell how enthusiastic and passionate that Simon was about that topic. And when I say I'm biased, like I, I was there watching him as he went through the process that he talked about when he was rebuilding the site in, uh, in Tachyons back then. Um, but I think the thing I really enjoyed about his talk was the way he tied it into um, the high jumpers. And how everyone thought that this is the way that you're supposed to high jump, right? Until this one guy came along and did it totally different. He did, they called it some kind of flop or something like that. And they've been doing that ever since. Um, But it just goes to show you like whatever is the best practice today or or whatever the the group think is in terms of the way that you're doing stuff. It's not the be all and end all, right? I mean, someone may come up with a better or more interesting way to do it. Um, and I think there are a lot of people that are uh, starting to adopt utility-first CSS. I have been using it for a while, and I love it. Um, and the Pixel and Tonic folks are starting to use it for, and I'm seeing more and more uh, sites that are using it. So I think that's really cool, and I really, really enjoyed the talk. But Mary, did you see that talk as well or no? I did not see that talk. Was, did anyone else see the talk? You saw it? No. Nobody no. else saw it? I think I need to watch the video because... He's such a good speaker because I he's am, so enthusiastic. I am so far com- from convinced about right. the Tailwind CMS, the Tailwind stuff. I have not gotten on that. You're gonna handle. love. You're gonna love the video because he's he's speaking to you. Okay. And he's a very good communicator, and he and he leads you through like the real world. Him coming from doing like BEM everything and why it ended up being a problem and how redoing it that way made his life better. Ah, right. I, I am looking forward to, to watching that one. I I like so much of the I like the I like the deep features of of Tailwind. Like I love the at rules, the at apply uh, that that it adds. I'm I'm still you know I really I love my BEM, um, but but you I, can have your BEM. But I, so utility first CSS and BEM they're not right. mutually exclusive. So so I I, I need someone to, to really educate. It's, it's one of those things that I just haven't had hours in the day. To well, go so clearly you went to the wrong talk. So there were so <laughs> many good talks. Um, but oh, that, so that's a really important point that I think we should make. So for anyone who went to dot all last year, there was one day and one track of talks, right? Is that right? I'm yeah. Pretty sure that's right. And here the first day was, was double track here. There, there were, there was a day of workshops and then two days of uh, speaking sessions, and the first day was a double track. Right. Like it's it's it was way bigger than it was last year. Yeah. Right. It seemed like they, they balanced the tracks between more front end and back end, or right. less technical, more technical. Right. But sometimes it was a really hard choice. Right. 
Yeah. No, I get it. And whenever there's a, like a dual track, you're like, ah, you know, like yes. I would like to be in both places. But you know? sweet that the video is there. So, yeah. you know, you may miss out, but you don't miss out so, so badly. Right. Yeah. I'm going to try not to harass Leah too much about like, when's it coming out? When's the, when are the videos <laughs> well, coming out? I'll tell you what, the video crews that they had were serious. Yeah. Um, like I, I was very, I've worked in some video production before and I was, I noticed a lot of like their, their setup and just, just from watching what they were doing, like they, you know, were color correcting live and paying attention to like the, the temperature of the daylight at different times for different speakers of different skin tones. Right. And like, so I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a, it's a serious uh, right. crew. And, and so I think, Oh no, I mean, to, and there were, and there were great, it, it gives me, it gives me a lot of hope that they'll, that, you know, they'll turn those videos around really, really fast. And that would be, that would be awesome. Yeah, in general, I think it's worth mentioning how well organized the whole conference. Yeah, really did a, a it was incredible. Job. Like, yeah. as a speaker, but also as an atten attendee, right? Everything went so smoothly. Yep. Uh, and as you said, Michael, yeah, so professionally done. Uh, so when I was you know preparing for to get up on stage, and there was a stage manager, right? So he took care of um, the presentation and hooking me up with the the monitor and everything. I had a hairstylist. Yeah, with that. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I tell you, you were you were your hairstylist's favorite client for that. Day. Sorry, go ahead, Ben. I'm sorry. Yeah, now I can see why I didn't have a talk. <laughs> so not going there with the hairstylist. You have to have too too much hair. Right? Yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ben. Go ahead. So there was there was a, a sound engineer, there was a photographer, and there was a camera person. So it was about three or four people yep. per room, per room, yeah, yeah dedicated to uh, to making sure that everything went smoothly. Yeah, and it yeah. did. It did go very smoothly. They they've done right by their community, and it's so much work. Yeah, even when you have good contractors working for you, it is so much work to put on a conference. Right, but let's talk about. So I think the the conference itself was awesome. Getting the state of craft from Brandon was awesome, as always. Uh, and the talks were awesome. But let's talk about the real, the real reason we come here is the people, right? And That's true. It, I mean, I'm not even being, you know, uh, touchy-feely or cheesy about it. It's totally true. Like, some of the best things that I took away from this were just discussions that I had at a bar with somebody. You know what I mean? Um, and did you guys find that to be the case as well? Well, you were singing karaoke most of the time. Yo, that karaoke was <laughs> epic. <laughs> it was so please good. Don't, please don't do it now. It was so good. Actually, uh, not many people not many people know this um, about Leia Alcantara. Mm. Uh, Alcantara? I don't know how to say her last name. Yeah. Leia Leia. Uh, she's like a semi-professional competitive karaoke singer. Oh my God. That she can belt it out. Oh my God. So, so this, uh, what, I, what I'm now calling the top shelf craft karaoke party uh, <laughs> was, <laughs> it was like half, um, you know, a bunch of Brits and me, uh, you know, crazily singing random Paul Simon songs and <laughs> Irish jigs. And then it was like a concert of, <laughs> You know, Leia just singing these beautiful ballads, and and it was, it was wonderful. Actually, I also found some swing dancers at the conference venue one night, unrelated to the conference. There was, there was a swing dance going on, and yeah, like Ben, ben, ben yeah. and Marianne are yeah. both uh, uh, swing dancers, and so so we went and dance it up with the locals. But yeah, no, so many good conversations. We're going to do a new CMS called Craft with a K, and instead of being alcohol-themed, it's going to be dance-themed. So mm. stay tuned. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, so many good conversations. Um, I love uh, being here around people. I love just getting owned by people who are so much smarter than I am um, and are just like blowing up my brain with right. whatever it is that they're excited about. Right. Um, yep. And that is so much fun for me. Like it's I, like, I'm, I'm, it's social facilitation, you know, like every, it, it raises my well, ambition it, and my, um, 
my inspiration. Especially um, if you're like a freelancer and you're, you may work with a few other people, but a lot of the time you're working kind of on your own. Right. There's something invigorating about then coalescing together with a bunch of people that are doing the same thing. Sure. You know what I mean? And they're coming at it from different angles. And so like, I don't care who you are, like you're going to learn something just from talking to some of the people that are there because they're, they're in your field, but they're doing different stuff and they're solving things different ways. And right. I, I've always found that like, I, again, I, I think the production was awesome. Uh, and I think the speeches were awesome, but I always get so much out of just the social interaction and the informal conversations and stuff that goes on. Oh, it's very heartwarming. You know, I have people coming up and saying, thank you, thank you for your plugin. And I'm thinking, right. that plugin, there was Plugin Factory IO, and then there's three more lines of PHP. <laughs> you are so welcome. <laughs> but, you know, it made a difference to them. So. Wait, hold on. I heard a report, Marion. I heard a report that you were signing autographs. Did you? Someone came up to you and said, are you the Marion? Well, the Marion from the podcast, I had to admit I was. And then you, you did some autograph signing. Is that true or is that false? Well, I don't like to advertise it. You don't want to brag. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. I have yeah. as soon as, as soon as we say that, as soon as we say that she's willing to sign autographs, right. now everybody's going to go ask her for right. an autograph. Right. Yeah. You never know. By craft four, like that autograph's value will have quadrupled and, yes. and you know, keep it exclusive. We don't, we don't want to, don't want to yeah. abuse Marion's celebrity powers. But for me, it was also nice to put a, a face to a name. Of course. Cause it, and it, this happened to me a couple of times that you were just out to dinner or out at a bar or whatever. And I'm talking to someone for a good half hour, hour. And then finally I figure out, Oh, you're that guy. Like you're, you're and like, Oh, totally. Like I know who you are now, but it was just really cool. You know, we get, we get used to, identifying people by their slack handles <laughs> right and uh and it's nice um it's both nice to be inspired by people's views on tech mm. and and ways that they're solving problems um but it's also nice to just like go have a conversation with somebody from the community that every time i talk to them on slack we're solving each other's technical problems yeah and then we just like we go eat some indian food and yeah. talk about life and and learn another person as a human being right is um it, it you miss that you know for in the everyday grind and being here and just coming to really admire people as people is um i think very healthy and very refreshing so there's another side to the you know talking to people and learning when you're in the tech business and you have hard problems, sometimes there's the commiserating thing. Right? That? So, mm -hmm. so I was going around and harassing anyone that knew anyone about Webpack about this Webpack problem I was having. And meanwhile, when I'm at home and I'm having a problem like that and I'm frustrated, I look over at my dog and I'm like, you wouldn't believe this. And my dog just looks back at me like. Are you giving me a treat? <laughs> you know, so, but it's, I, I, feel, I feel like when you slack me about your problems, my reaction is, is about the same. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll throw you a dog treat then. No, but it, it, there is something to be gained from commiserating too, right? Because it's refreshing to understand that everyone encounters hard challenges, right? Because right. it's a it's a hard field. What about you, Oliver? Do you enjoy? Kind of the, the social interaction and meeting some people? Yeah, for me it was a special situation because, well, the, the, the conference came to our city and, yeah, on people asked me about the city and um, they were curious what to do and uh, I could help them and uh, it was good. And especially, yeah, um, meeting our clients was, was important right. and having conversations, basically. Right. Yeah. But that's that's what conferences are about usually, right? But I, I do find that there's something uh, special, semi-special about this conference, like because it, it does feel like we're one big family in a yeah. sense. And I've been to other developer conferences uh, where I felt completely anonymous, right? And and it's yeah. very different here. Yeah, and it's you know like loneliness is no joke in our profession. Um, it, it's logistically. Um, just set up for, you know, you don't always get a whole lot of connection with people and, and that can have serious uh, implications on, uh, on people's happiness and, and mental health and 
to be able to see this manifestation of, of real family and real connection, um, you know, is, is much more than touchy feely. I mean, it's, it's life and death in, in some cases. Right. And, and I think that, well, touchy feely um, is life this, and death. Well, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, not in a cheesy way. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the, the amount of attention that this community pays, um, to, uh, to each other's wellness is, is very warming and, um, and there's one other and thing very, and, and somewhat unique. There's yeah. one other thing that really helped my wellness while I was here. And that is that Germany's got really good beer like that. I really enjoyed drinking your beer. Thank you, Germany. I Sorry, go ahead. I don't, I don't know. If, like I don't know if you're using yeah. <laughs> yeah. wellness. I don't, I don't know if that word means what you think. <laughs> Wait, you mean wellness doesn't mean getting a bus. That's not the same thing. Uh, you know, well, I, okay. So we, we joke about beer and I, and I try to, to, to not, I don't joke about beer. I take it very seriously. I try to not not go too far, lest people think that you know these conferences are, are just about drinking and and you can have a lot of fun and have all these same meaningful connections and inspirations at a conference if you never touch a single beer. For sure. And good for you. Um, I I mean I spent several days and I was just like, yep, don't have the spoons for it today. I'm drinking water. Right. Um, but it is also, I mean, it's, you know, it's nice to party. And, well, that's your computer and, science credentials. And, uh, <laughs> right, right. but also Berlin, um, is such a, such a friendly city. And yeah. We did so much walking yeah. uh, because like the venues and the hotels were, were just close enough mm -hmm. that you felt like, meh, a cab probably isn't worth it, but just far enough that it was a substantial walk. Like, but I, I enjoy that. In the, in the nice, crisp yeah. uh, autumn air. Like, That's something I do every day is I go on a hike. This so this was perfect. I'm like, I can I can do my hike and go where I'm supposed to go as opposed to just walking right. through the woods somewhere. You know? Yeah. You're you going to say something? I, yeah, I also want to honor the fact that Pixel Tonic brought it to Europe because that is a big mm -hmm. move. Yeah. Um, but as you say, I mean, this is a, a multicultural city. Yeah. And our community, you know, border, you know, it's totally global. We had people from at least four continents here mm -hmm. that I know of. Yeah. And I think that's that's fantastic. It, it felt very inclusive. And I know, you know, there's a, there's a code of conduct, but, you know, that's just a code of conduct. But everybody, I felt, was welcome. Yeah. Everybody was helping each other. Everybody was here to have a good time, learn, and make connections. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I mean, they, they have to have a code of conduct, right? Because they're a conference. Sure. But if there's any conference that didn't need one, it was this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, honestly, like everyone here, I didn't well, run into anybody that was I, I being I think the sure. reason yeah. this conference is the way it is, is because there's yeah, that's so true. much thought put into, yeah. uh, into the... Well, culture comes from leadership, right? right? It, it, and the it's that, that way with any company. Yeah, right? well, yeah. they, it's good they have a code of conduct and they take it seriously and it's important right. to them. And because it's taken seriously and it's important to them, it feels like, ah, what do they need that for? Because everybody's behaving themselves. Right. And but, people, I mean, I admit... The, the culture I admit, is the manifestation of the first principles. I mean, I admit that I did harass Brad Bell a little bit, but other than that, you know, well, there was there was some good good long hugs. Yeah, but, but I would yeah. say that that Brad was enthusiastically consented to to the very long. He did enthusiastically, very enthu the most yes. enthusiastic consent I have ever received. I even got a massage. To, to hug a person. I even got a massage. Um, did you that you, did you know every speaker is supposed to get? A complimentary massage well, from me. You must be next to You'll have you to, you'll have to yeah, call, okay. call yours in. Yeah. All right. Well, that is awesome. Does anyone have any kind of closing things that they want to say about? Come to Dot All next year. Come to Dot All in Montreal. Yeah. So for anyone, really though, for anyone who. Watch the videos. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, for anyone who uh, didn't make it here, um, Try to make time to make it next year because I do think you'll find it worth your while to make it here. Um, I know some of our other co esteemed co-hosts really wanted to be here, like uh, Jonathan Melville, Patrick Harrington. They really wanted to come here. Earl, I don't know where he is. I don't know. Earl is off like chasing a rock band somewhere. Um, but if you want to, uh, you really should make an effort to get to Montreal for the next one. You're going to learn something. You're going to have a good time. I mean, how does it get any better than that? Right. You know, 
So I think that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. To have every, every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our RSS or subscribe via iTunes or Google Play. If you like what we're doing, leave us a review. And you can also follow us on Twitter at devmode.fm. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Just leave us a comment on the devmode.fm website. For the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Ben Croker. Marianne Nullivant. I'm Michael Rogg. And Oliver Stark. Bye-bye. Cheers. some editing work to do yeah. I noticed that this, this microphone it really is a directional microphone